0: Is up, fantasy people. You are back with the True North Fantasy Pod. I am Travis Seal. You can find me on Twitter at tseal14, and I am a part of the True North crew. You can follow us on Twitter at ffb and check out all of our work at TrueNorthFFB.com. So I got kind of a bonus special episode today. It's uh Ty couldn't make it to this one, but uh, I've got some amazing guests here with me today. So. I guess without further ado, I don't want to get rambling too much, boys. So uh, rolling up on their hogs. These guys are fitted with the, the black leather Sam Crow cut. They're strapped to the nines with fantasy heat. I got the Sons of Dynasty with me today. These guys, these, these are some of True North's best buddies in the fantasy community. I mean, we can't thank them enough for their friendship. They've been loyal supporters. Uh, they can be followed on Twitter, at Dynasty Sons. Uh, definitely make sure you follow them. And then we're going to go around the table here. So, BZ, why don't you kick it off? Tell the people where they can find you, my man.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Good to see y'all. Uh, you could find me at the BZBFF on Twitter. Um, and also, too, you obviously Dynasty Sons. And you could also find me at the Undroppables.
0: That's killer, man. And D Brown, where, where can the people find
2: you, my man? Man, you can find me all over Twitter. <laughs> I mean, I'm, put, I'm putting my boots in the dirt everywhere. You can find me at D ff 88 That's where you can hit me in my DMs, and I'll get back to you as quickly as possible. But you can also catch me rocking around on the Sons of Dynasty page and uh, try, trying to communicate with as many good people out there as possible. And I've even been known to log into the Undroppables account and drop a little bit of flame and lava over there.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, D-Brown, I have never seen anybody work harder on Twitter content than you, man. It's, That's it's amazing true. how you keep all that organized. Sure. It's amazing how you keep that continuous content coming out of multiple accounts. Buddy, much respect for that, man. Appreciate that. And last but certainly not least, he's the newest member of the Dynasty Sons. This is an awesome, awesome asset to the community. He's buddies with, uh, with True North as well. We've connected a lot recently and uh, super happy to have him on. we got Brother Matt. Brother Matt, where can they find you, man? What's up, Cuz? Thanks for having
3: us today. Really appreciate getting to travel up to Canada, hang with <laughs> you for a bit. You can catch me at Dynasty Dude on Twitter. That's at D-Y, Nasty Dude. And, of course, you can find me with
0: the sons riding with him ride or die all day
3: absolutely man
0: yeah i love it man like i i feel like you know sons of dynasty is such a good theme for the three of you guys i think uh it's just a really good fit because i i mean most people have seen the show sons of anarchy and uh, i think it's just so fitting because you guys are all well respected as badass analysts in the community and the thing that i love the most is that you guys are like fiercely loyal to your people if you guys support somebody you guys have been staunch supporters of the true north crew um and that's really felt by those people so uh, i think that's a huge asset from you guys as you can tell from the start when you talk to you guys uh that you guys are super loyal and you guys are good friends from the jump so i think that's super cool so um why don't we talk real quick uh, i guess bz will start with you how did uh how did the dynasty Suns form up
1: oh actually man it was like so i mean on a, it actually started through a league And I I, I just made a league up, and one of the guys on Twitter, Troy, what's it? Uh, Troy? Van Ripper. Ripper, That's Van Ripper. That's my man right there. PDX Troy Boy on Twitter. That's it. Bingo. So he's actually the one that came out with the name. And I was like, dude, that is a dope name right there. And I was like, do you mind if we use that? And he's like, yeah. So I came up with a league with it. And then it was like one day, literally, I think it was in another league that D Brown and I were in. I all of a sudden, I put down something about doing a podcast and D Brown just put a little like emoji with a hand up saying co-host yeah. and <laughs> him and I just started talking on the side and eventually it kind of just came together. We started the, the page and, you know, and then what a couple months ago we brought on Matt and yeah. it's just going from there. We've got two leagues going right now and it's fun as hell, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm in the Sons of Dynasty 2.0, and that was a
0: that was a super fun draft, and I can't wait to kick off that season with with all the people in there. I think Troy's in that one as well, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is. is. That was yeah. the one I got him in. Yeah. yeah, Troy is awesome. I love Troy. We've we've just connected in the past couple of months, and great guy, great guy. Awesome, fellas. So I guess why why don't we get into what we're going to be talking about here on mm-hmm. the pod? We uh we got a pretty fun one here. We're going to talk about some pop off potential, is what I've titled it. So these are some guys that are in great spots to succeed. Uh, whether their depth charts are clearing up they they flashed big potential last year and they're looking to improve on that and some of them can be guys that we've we've bought into before But we're looking for them to put it all together because for whatever reason, they haven't quite uh, made that ascension that we've been looking for them to make. So that's going to be a fun piece. And then towards the end, we're going to talk about some some deep dynasty stashes. So I think I would be remiss if we didn't talk uh, some of that deep dynasty stuff with the dynasty sons. I know you guys have tons of leagues. We got tons of deep rosters and we're kind of. Mining the bottom of the barrel there to find these guys who can pay off big in their ADP. So we're going to drop one of our favorite guys to stash deep on a dynasty roster. So that's going to be fun, too. But gentlemen, I'm going to get into uh, into these pop-off potential players because there's a few to cover. Some of them we've actually talked about on the True North pod a little bit, but I really wanted to get your guys' takes on some of these guys. I know some of these guys are, are near and dear to your guys' hearts, and some of these guys have a lot of potential coming into 2020. So I'm going to lay the players out. I'm going to kick it to one of you guys and see what your outlook is on whether he can take the next step. We'll go a little bit back and forth on him. And then after, just to top it off, I'm going to drop a number and see what you guys think as far as these guys' fantasy finishes. So just to top it off, I'm going to say, you know, is this guy going to be a top 20 receiver? Or do you think this guy can come into the top 30 of of the running backs or whatever it may be? So that'll be just kind of a quick little cherry on top for those guys. So getting into it here, BZ, we're going to start with you, my man. Yes, sir. we are going to talk about Will Fuller. So uh, Will Fuller, golden opportunity this year. New Hopkins and his yearly 150 targets are out the door. And I think we know the biggest knock on Fuller has been the injuries. So BZ, why don't you talk about Will Fuller's outlook and, and what you think about him going forward and whether he can, he can kind of break through this year because we've seen super big flashes from him, but he hasn't quite put a full season together.
1: All right. Absolutely, man. Well, like I said, you know, I mean, you got to love the potential that Fuller brings to the table, but I mean, the injuries are just every year. They just keep stacking up on this kid, whether it's his knee, soft tissue, everything. It's just, it's, it's a mess. I mean, if he could actually just get it all together and just be healthy for a season, we could be looking at a top 20 wide receiver, hands down. You know, he's one of four players in the NFL right now to record at least 12 touchdowns on less than 170 targets. So Ooh. he's got some play, and the and the other three guys are actually tight ends. Nice. Um, so he's the only wide receiver out of that group. But the problem is in the past three seasons, he's played only in 28 games. He's also missed 20. Hmm. So he's under his fifth year option. They so this is a, kind of a make or break for him. With Deshaun Watson, he's got 94 receptions for 1452 and 14 touchdowns in 22 games. So they've got chemistry. All Fuller has to do is stay healthy. And we're looking at a top 20 wide receiver. Now, I like Brandon Cooks a lot, and I think he's going to siphon away a lot of those targets. But like you said, Nuck, 150 targets in 19, 163 targets in 18. There is a lot of targets to still go around. So definitely an opportunity for him if he can stay healthy to – you know, crack into that top twenty, but honestly, I'm kind of rolling more. I, my My money's on Brandon Cooks more than mm, Will Fuller. Yeah, so, but the potential's there.
0: Totally, I like it, man. I mean, you can't deny the opportunity because Brandon Cooks hasn't been in that offense before. He hasn't had the chance to command some of those targets that Nuke is leaving behind. So they're they're really up for grabs. And so I, I like what you said there. The opportunity is great for Will Fuller. Uh, just a lot of things kind of have to go go his way in order to have that fantasy finish come to fruition. So, uh, Matt, why don't you give us your take on Will Fuller? What do you think? you think he can put it together, or do you think that injury bug's just going to kill him once again?
3: No, I do not think he's going to put it together. What I see from him is he really doesn't have a whole lot of athleticism at that speed. He's really a one-trick pony. I think that's the reason you see a lot of touchdowns compared to not very many catches with him.
0: Yeah, I I like how you guys said that there. In 2019, Will Fuller had those two huge games. He had a 53.7-point game and then a 21-point game. Every other one of his games was under 12 PPR points. So I think there is some built-in inconsistency that comes with him. Um, In his career, he's got 42 games, 10 games over 20 points, four games between 12 and 20, and then 28 games he's got under 12 PPR points in his career. Uh, 11 of those are under five points. So you really got to take your lumps when you're owning Will Fuller. Um, and then when you add in that injury risk, I think it's it's a really tough buy, especially when he's going right in line with Brandon Cooks, like you said, BZ. Uh, I think for me, I'm probably leaning Cooks there as well. Uh, but D Brown, why don't we kick to you here? Do you think Will Fuller can finish in, in the top 24 in 2020? Do you think that's a decent threshold? Or
2: should we be looking like maybe top 30 as as where we'd sit him? I'd lean more towards the top 30 side. You know, I've never been high on the Will Fuller train. He is a boom or bust candidate all day, every day, and that includes his injury probabilities. I wouldn't put a whole bunch of faith into him in 2020, you know, but with the targets that are becoming available, he's definitely going to get an opportunity, probably one of the better opportunities to see some volume like he's never seen before, whether or not he can capitalize on that. And whether or not Deshaun Watson will will be able to stay healthy, you know, with their offensive line remains to be seen. If we're gonna see anything this year, though, it is gonna be Watson attempt to put the team on his back. Oh, there, there's no yeah. no really other options. There's no other stars that are really on that team. You know, he's got a couple of pieces around him, a couple of good running backs that I expect to see quite a quite a few targets this year, even though Houston's not notorious for. Uh, getting their running backs involved in the passing game. I almost feel like this year they're not going to have many other options but to do so. Mm-hmm. I like yep. that. Duke Johnson season, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just about to say, sneaky, sneaky buy right now is Duke Johnson. I'm not buying the David Johnson hype. Duke, no. super efficient. You know, we, we joke year in and out about how this guy doesn't get much of an opportunity, but when he does, all he does is smash. If there's going to be a time for him to get some decent volume, like I said, there's, no, there's not many established weapons right now in Houston, but they have a star quarterback that's just hungry to win. Duke Johnson needs to be a part of the game plan, no doubt. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. I love that. Duke's actually
0: going behind, like he's going past running back 40 as far as ADP. Uh, so I think you kind of have to smash that for the upside there. I love I love that take. So, uh, Matt, we're going to come to you for the next guy. I know you are super stoked to talk about this guy. Uh, this guy has some huge pop-off potential, and that's Hollywood Brown. Uh, he, he immediately became one of the league's most exciting young wideouts last season, in my opinion. Uh, he had a really good year considering he missed some time. Uh, and he's in an offense that, you know, it's, it's low passing volume, but he capitalized pretty well on that, all things considered. So uh, I know you like Hollywood. you think he makes that leap this year?
3: Yes, Marquise Brown. I do think he's going to be a hit this year. He's in a low-volume offense, but he has big opportunities to produce on big plays. The pressure that Lamar Jackson puts on defenses is unparalleled in the league right now. Safeties don't know what to do with him. They're constantly trying to put eight, nine, even 10 guys in the box. Hollywood was a very purposeful pick by the Ravens last year, because the thing that he brings to the table is game breaking speed. We didn't get to see it a whole lot last year because he was coming off the limb lymph- then surgery. In the first two games, he gave us a hint of what he was all about. He went for 12 catches, 233 yards, and two touchdowns. After that, in the next eight games, he was 18 catches for 244-2. and So it's really a tale of two worlds when we look at his 2019. He's been putting a lot of work in this offseason, and he thinks he's really ready to take the leap in 2020. And one advantage he has on a lot of players is he lives in South Florida, close to Lamar Jackson. They go to work every day together, and they're trying to be better. When you listen to them talk, they're trying to be the next Montana and Rice. So the one problem with him is the no comparisons for a 5'9", 165-pound wide receiver. We just haven't seen it very much. But also, we've never seen anything like what the Ravens are bringing to the table. So last year, the problem with the Ravens offense is it was all run and no pass. So Lamar led the league with 36 touchdowns, he only had 3,127 yards of production. So if you're looking for an every-game guy that's going to catch eight balls for 100, you're not going to get it out of marquee. What you have the possibility to get is a guy that can average 15 yards a catch and almost a touchdown a game. When I look at his possibilities for next year, Low end, we're talking 60 catches, 720 yards, eight touchdowns. That's going to put him about wide receiver 30. Mm-hmm. If he goes high, 80 catches, 15 yards a catch puts him at 1,200. And say 12 touchdowns, that's 272. That's, that's top 10 range right there.
0: Woo! That's big.
3: Add his price tag. Wide receiver, three. Yeah. grabbing him all day long. Redraft, grabbing. Best ball, absolutely grabbing. And if you're in a standard scoring league, he's even more valuable than in PPR. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like what you said there, especially the price point. I mean, you're getting him as a wide receiver 3-4 on uh, definitely on redraft rosters. You're getting him there. He might be a little bit more pricey in Dynasty because of the age and the uh, the connection to Lamar Jackson. Uh, but that price is really nice on Hollywood as somebody who can give you those, you know, weak winning games uh, here and there. You know, you're going to have to take some lumps similar to actually Will Fuller. But uh, I, I think I like what you said there about the price point. That's why Hollywood is a buy. If he's starting to go a little bit pricier. It's a little dicey. Um, but uh B Z, why don't you give me your take on Hollywood? What do you think about his prospects? Do you are you in line with Matt?
1: So actually, I'm uh, you know, with Hollywood, I'm actually kind of on the opposite spectrum of this one. Um, he's been an absolute sell for me. I've actually right now real I don't think I even have a single share. And it really like what comes down to is it comes down to volume in the passing game and his opportunities. Now they drafted um, Devin DuVernay this year, they have, you know, Mark Andrews and who the is a kid that they got last year. Um, Boykin. There, he, there he is. Boykin. Yeah. I was like, I got stumped up, but, um, you know, this, this is a run first team. So unless Marquise Brown capitalizes on the opportunities that he gets each and every game, you know, you're not going to see that consistent wide receiver two that you're looking to get with him. You're going to see more of you might see a wide receiver one one week and then the next week you might see a wide receiver 60. So for me, I mean, talent wise, yes, he's got talent. Absolutely. He's quick as all hell. You know, he's Antonio Brown's cousin. So he's got the you know, he's got juice. But, you know, between the injuries, the volume, in the passing game and just kind of where I see the the Ravens going in terms of their defense is going to get much, much better. So they may not have to pass as much going into 2020. They may lean on that run game. He's been a fade for me so far.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I think it could go both ways on Hollywood, really. like, I think anybody can see the potential for him to to pop off. But um, the, the one concern that I have is the fact that they brought in Devin DuVernay and James Proche. And uh, I think Hollywood operates the best out of the slot. And those two guys also operate the best out of the slot as well. Not to mention Mark Andrews, who is a beast out of the slot. So that's kind of one question that I've got because Hollywood was under sixty percent of the team snaps last year. And I think a lot of that was to to do with them running a lot of one wide receiver sets with like seventeen tight ends on the on the field. So uh, I think Hollywood really has to earn his spot in being that one wide receiver. When they're in mm-hmm. those one wide receiver sets, um, and no. I just one, I wonder whether he's going to be able to do that just with his size. Because, uh, like you said, Matt, no comparisons for Hollywood. Uh, I believe Ty said on one of our recent uh, one of our recent episodes that since 1990, only one receiver under five nine, one seventy, has had a thousand receiving yards in the NFL. So um, that's a 30 year sample where only one guy's done it. So uh, I think Hollywood has the the skills to buck that trend. Uh, I really want to just see a little bit more snap volume for him. And then I think that can easily happen. So D Brown, we're going to kick to you. Um, Matt said it perfectly. He said top 30 is kind of, kind of where we're looking as far as a threshold. You think Hollywood steps up and, and moves into the top 30? Cause he was wide receiver 46 last year with those injury issues. So top 30 for Hollywood D Brown.
2: I would be selling that. I, Hollywood is not, once again, kind of falls into the category of the type of wide receiver that typically I'm not looking to roster, Um, you know, same kind of deal as uh, Will Fuller, you know, kind of more of a boom or bust option. I tend to lay my stripes down on those volume guys, you know, I want seven to 12 targets every week and a guy that I feel like is going to command that. And as much as I love the Ravens' offense, top top three, top five offense in the league easily, like BZ mentioned, it it siphons through the run game, and that's usually the position that I want to attack on the Baltimore Ravens would be the run game, whether it is Lamar himself, Dobbins, or Mark Ingram, who I think will be the majority get the majority Mm -hmm. of the work this year. Uh, as much as we all love Dobbins and we have the rookie fever uh Mark Ingram's just such a valuable piece on the field and in the locker room uh, you know he's got the respect of his teammates the coaching staff you know he's getting older he's a veteran and he's productive there's absolutely no reason why they're going to take Mark Ingram off the field mm-hmm. i know he had up and down snaps last year but he was still even with a 50% snap share more often than not most weeks he was getting into the end zone twice and averaging six yards a tote. So, you know, I'm all over the Ravens' run game. But like BZ mentioned, Marquise Brown currently a sell for me.
1: Especially when they uh, when they add Antonio Brown here oh. in the next few weeks. <laughs> that'd be
3: greasy.
0: That'd be Ooh. greasy. Marquise and Antonio on the same squad.
1: Yeah, I figured I'd throw it out there just for shits that, and giggles because be that's nice. been a rumor.
0: That'd be nice. So Matt, are you uh, are you buying top thirty for Hollywood? I think top thirty is its floor. So absolutely buying him as top thirty. Nice, I like that. I like that. We just
3: haven't seen anything like this before. If he is able to be at top speed, the thing with the surgery last year is he couldn't push off of his foot. He was doing this weird thing where he was trying to push off of his middle three toes. He couldn't even feel his big big toe. And for him, he said he needed that spring. He needed that burst. He didn't have it. He didn't feel confident. Go back and look at that Titans playoff game. Look at one of the catches he had there uh, near the end zone. Three defenders on him, long ball, one hand brings it in. He really has the tools. So if they can get him up to speed and doing his thing, it's really going to put a lot of pressure on the safeties to make a decision. And if they choose to go in and try to stop Lamar or Mark Ingram, like Dee was saying, then – Hollywood's going to be there deep. And we know that Lamar can sling it. He can mm. run around for a minute and get those safeties all confused and sling it. So we just haven't seen it yet. If it happens, it's going to be an outlier, but I I like the chances of it. I like that offense.
0: Yeah, that's well that's really well put because I mean wide receiver forty six with injury issues last year. If he can put a, a healthy season together, um, there's no reason why he can't come into that top thirty. So I like I like how you put that, Matt. Okay, D. We're gonna move down to La La Land, buddy. I'm gonna get your take on uh, Hunter Henry. He, you know, he seems like that guy who's gonna emerge every single year. A lot of changes in Los Angeles. He has been, like I said, heavily hyped in the past as a breakout tight end, and uh, he lit it up after the injury last year. So with a new quarterback in the fold, whether it be Tyrod or Justin Herbert, do you think, uh, do you think Hunter Henry's gonna finally cement himself among that top five of of the tight end ranks, D?
2: Well, you know, Hunter Henry, he was, he's been a, a prospect that we've drooled over for since the time he first entered the league, you know, uh, coming into the shadows of Antonio Gates. Finally, Gates gets out of the picture. Here it is. And then, you know, the injury bug strikes again. Started to see, you know, questions surrounding his health in general. But he came back, and when he was given the volume, I mean, he produced, and they were— great numbers that he w- we were getting out of him. But it, for 2020, it comes down to what you mentioned, the quarterback situation. You know, Tyrod Taylor never attempted more than 436 pass attempts in a season. Justin Herbert, a rookie who, you know, we're interested in, but not necessarily this elite prospect that we feel like is going to flourish in L.A. You know, we're after him more for his rushing upside and his big arm than we are necessarily in his decision-making and everything else. So, you know, he's got a, 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 high ceiling top, top five tied in, but you know, the floor could be decently low as well this year. Um, you know, and it, it comes down to quarterback uncertainty and what, what's the passing game really going to look like in LA. He's never top 652 yards. So as much as we'd like to put him up there with the big boys, he's not touching touching them even though he was what, over 10 yards a grab last year, mm-hmm. I believe. And you know, this whole the the pandemic and everything, you know, we can't stress the importance of how hard it's going to be for some of these teams that are experiencing big changes in their programs to be able to come out and produce. This is unlike anything that we've ever seen as far as an off-season goes. And the ripple effect could be huge, just making uh, a variety of outcomes for Hunter Henry possible. But you know, I still I I still believe in Hunter Henry. You know, there's the tight ends become a crutch with rookie quarterbacks or quarterbacks that don't have such a great feel for the the offense. You know, so maybe Mike Williams and Keenan Allen won't get to see, you know, the looks that they were seeing this past year and before with Philip Rivers, but. You know, Hunter Henry, he has an opportunity to potentially be one of the, you know, top targets on this team, you know, with lack of a real run game. I know they have Eckler and Jackson and Kelly, but, you know, none of those guys, I think, are real pound the rock type guys. So we're going to see some passing volume come from LA, and Hunter Henry could be a a huge beneficiary of it, standing at 6'5, 250 pounds in the red zone yeah that is a big boy
0: um I I like what you said there at the end the red zone stuff Uh, Hunter Henry has been a monster in the red zone I had a look boys and uh, in his career Hunter Henry has 15 receptions inside the 10 yard line 11 of those bad boys have gone for touchdowns so uh, I think he's got some that's why we like him right is because he has that huge touchdown upside so hey BZ what do you think about Hunter Henry do you think he's going to put it together do you think this quarter quarterback change is going to sink him
1: no, I think you'll actually put it together because like D said, you know, they're going to be leaning more on the passing game here a little bit more and getting, you know, these guys involved. You know, he's always been a difference maker at the position. I mean, I I think you saw it a lot this year because he really ate into Mike Williams red zone targets. You know, when he was out the year before, Williams had like 10 touchdowns. Now this year he had two. Mm-hmm. So Henry definitely affected Williams last year big time. You know, for a tight end, he had 10.2 air yards per target, which isn't bad when you consider that's good for a wide receiver. So, you know, he's getting he has a lot of potential in this offense to, you know, depending on what Tyrod, who I think will be the starter, decides to do and how that all kind of translates over. I like him. Be wary of the injuries because he's had quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he does, I mean, I think his last five games last year, he didn't top over 45 yards a game. Mm -hmm. And he's never topped 652 yards in a season. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of shows you, like, is he just going to be one of those middling tier tight ends where that potential is there but he never quite gets over it? Or is he finally going to break out, put all those touchdowns together with eight or 900 to 1,000 yards and become Mm -hmm. a tight end one? So that's kind of where I'm at with him. I'll, I'll buy him on the cheap, but I mm-hmm. won't chase him.
0: That's for sure. totally, Totally. I'm in the same boat there. I, I got to get him at a value if I'm going to have him. Uh, Cause like you guys said, I don't know if the volume is going to be there, but it's just that, that red zone and touchdown work that he's got to capitalize on. So Matt, I'm going to kick it to you. Do you think Hunter Henry is going to move uh, into the top five tight ends this year?
3: I don't necessarily see that. Maybe if he was able to, like everybody keeps saying, putting a full season together and play every game, but. He never shown us the ability to do that. Great athlete. Uh, new system. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Give me Hayden Hurst.
0: Nice. Nice. <laughs> I love but that. You, uh,
3: you can keep Hunter Henry.
0: <laughs> the double H's, hey? The double H's. You're going to go for the, the Falcons H-C? one instead of the Chargers one. I like <laughs> that. <laughs> um, hey, D Brown, what do you think? Top five for Hunter Henry in 2020?
2: I'm going to say no. Just due to the uncertainty at quarterback, that's enough for me to temper expectations, and I don't feel good about top five at that rate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. BZ, I can see by your face. I think you're in the same boat.
1: Hey, brother? Yes, sir, dude. Um, Right. Like, literally, as we were just talking before Matt said, I'll take Hayden Hurst, I just moved Hurst above. Henry in my rankings. Nice. As we were just like talking that. through it. So, well, I like that. I don't know I don't know if a lot of people <laughs> are
0: going to have that um in their rankings with Hayden Hurst over Hunter Henry, uh but that's definitely in the realm of possibilities, so I love that.
1: You you got to right now, man. Hayden Hurst is about to eat some He's about to eat, man. They they got a lot of targets to go around in Atlanta there.
0: Mhm. And we're going to get to that in just a couple,
1: so uh BZ, I'm going to stick with you. Uh,
0: awesome. we're going to go with somebody, I mean, if we're talking, if we're talking, you know, <laughs> son, sons of anarchy style, I think this guy would probably qualify as your old lady. Uh, um, basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk, we're going to go to Chicago and we're going to talk about David Montgomery. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, we've dogged a little bit on, on David Montgomery on this show. Um, but I know you love him. So why don't you tell me why Ty and I have been, been wrong on Monty for giving him a hard time after having a, you know, a decent rookie season in Chicago?
1: Well, I mean, he did have a decent rookie season. It wasn't what people wanted it to be. And, you know, you could say a lot of it was due to the offensive line. I mean, some of it was his fault as well. He got a little bit, he was dancing too much in the backfield. He wasn't hitting the holes hard as he should. So yes, he definitely has, there's opportunity there and he needs to take more advantage of and get himself going. You know, the Bears ran a lot. He's probably got the most opportunity for two hundred and fifty carries out of mm-hmm. most backs in this in in the NFL right now. Um, you know, he was pretty crappy re- weeks one through twelve. He just wasn't seeing consistent volume. He wasn't, you know, getting things done. But the back end of the year, weeks thirteen through seventeen, he started to show a little bit more burst. He started to get a little bit yards per carry went up. You know, there's a lot of it's hard because, the coaching, the play calling, I believe, was a real big factor why he wasn't successful because Nagy just was terrible. But at the end of the year, you start seeing him using him a little bit more better and running out better calls. So I think right there he, can, uh, he could absolutely step up. The other big thing, too, is this is Cohen's last year right now, technically, in the ba- with the Bears. Mm-hmm. So he's the only other running back on that team worth noting. The other guys, Ryan Nall. Are Davis Pierce, <laughs> Napoleon Maxwell. Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. Oh, get there, that guy in the game. That's just, just because of Napoleon, dude. You know I mean, Yeah, he's a part of the all-name team for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. There, there, is, there is no one, no one that can come in and take anything away from Monty. So he is going to get a big workload. 260 carries is not out of the realm. He had 242 last year. Now targets, he had 35 last year he could absolutely get more into this target game and get up more to that 45 50 range. If he can capitalize on the opportunity, he's going to have all the goal line too. So put that in, get rid of Trubisky, get Nagy's head out of his ass. Get Bowles (laughs) in there. Let's start making some plays happen. I think you're going to see a more efficient Chicago offense, which is going to lead to a more efficient David Montgomery. Therefore we'll be able to, you know, will I say, will he crack top 20? I think I have him at 18 right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to bet that he does crack the top 20. But, you know, I probably wouldn't see him getting any more than top 12 max. Mm -hmm. So at least this year. So that's kind of where I'm at with him.
0: Yeah, I like that. I was, you know, I've been doing my rankings as well. And I think. His ranking at the back of the top 20 is largely a, probably a product of the guys ahead of them. There's just a lot of really good running backs. We had those rookies coming in. Uh, they, they have some really good landing spots with Dobbins and Taylor and Clyde. And even, you know, Zach Moss is probably going to get some work and Keyshawn Vaughn and AJ Dillon and whatnot. So those guys, those last couple might not be inside the top 20, but we've got a lot of guys coming through the running back ranks. And so, like you said, that floor for David Montgomery is super safe at like 240 carries. We just want to see some of that passing work. So, Hey, Matt, what do you think about David Montgomery? Are you uh, are you on him like BZ is, or, or how do you feel there?
3: I was a David Montgomery fan coming into last year. A lot of broken tackles in Iowa or at Iowa State. Uh, 26 touchdowns in his career there. A lot of production. And just didn't seem to put it together last year. That offense was herky-jerky. Trubisky was a mess. Clay calling was a mess. No creativity. This year, though, it looks like, like BZ said, absolutely volume is going to be there. All we need is a little bit more increase in efficiency out of him, and you can see a big step up from him. I like his price tag in Dynasty. I like his price tag in Dynasty trades. If you're looking for a young running back, he's only 23. He's got a lot of football ahead of him, and his ceiling is higher than his floor is low right now.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. For me, you mentioned you like his price in dynasty trades and drafts, and I think that's where I'm most interested, too, is in dynasty as opposed to in redraft. And I think, for me, it's the Tariq Cohen factor. I I think Tariq Cohen's still going to command some of those targets this year because he's great in that facet of the game. The only running backs, actually, with more targets than Tariq Cohen in the past two years are Alvin Kamara, James White, and Christian McCaffrey. So that's pretty elite target company for Tariq Cohen to be in. But uh, like Beasy said as well, Tariq Cohen's in a contract year so I could potentially see David Montgomery starting to get more targets as the year wears on for them to see if they have that three down bell cow moving into 2021. So I think for me, it's dynasty where I'm buying into David Montgomery because when he gets those targets, man, um, you know, Ty, Ty always says if he gets those targets, that's where he's much better than in the run game. He's better in the pass game. So if uh, if David Montgomery can unlock those targets, I think we can unlock some of that ceiling. So D, uh, I'm going to flip to you here. David Montgomery, top 20 in
2: 2020. I will say he will be top 20 in 2020, even though I do have him as my RB22 currently in Dynasty. Like you said, it's just the influx of talent that's coming in to the league that you have to command at least a little bit of respect for, which is kind of bringing him down to where he is. And as you touched base on, the Tariq Cohen factor is huge for David Montgomery's value. Tariq Cohen is a guy who's also going on, you know, pretty decent value right now, uh, sorting through the Dynasty Superflex ADP over at Can'tCutlist.com, It's got him going at 152 overall right now and at RB45. Uh, For a guy that's seeing eight to 10 targets almost weekly, I mean, that seems like a no-brainer in PPR format. So if you're, you know... If you're fading those RBs early and stocking up at the wide receiver or elite tight end position, Tariq Cohen's got to be in your crosshairs when you get to the latter rounds of the draft.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that. Do we actually have David Montgomery in the exact same spot in our rankings? I got him at 22 as well. And I think, you know, I, I like how you said, you know, you have him at 22, but you can still buy top 20. I think when you get towards the back of the top 24 running backs, it's really splitting hairs with those guys. There's a lot of opportunity in that in that tier of guys. And, and you know, it's just going to take David Montgomery to capitalize a little bit more so than he did last year to to hop into that top 20. So I think that's really well put. All right, fellas, we are ripping. It's like we're we're on our hogs here. We're we're rolling out a charming. We're going up to Nevada to see the Nevada chapter and uh, sort out some business around the round table with those guys. So we're gonna keep flying here. Matt, you're up, brother. We're gonna talk Terry McLaurin. I love Terry McLaurin. He was the hotness last year, came on strong really early last season, then he leveled off, finished as the wide receiver 30, despite garbage quarterback play i might add so uh things are looking good in my opinion for terry mclaurin where do you sit as far as uh mclaurin reaching his potential and overcoming what looks like it might still be some some pretty rough quarterback play
3: i'm a mclaurin fan obviously you can't say his name without saying the name dwayne had they've been together for at least the last four or five years so they're attached at the hip. I personally am a big Haskins fan, probably one of the bigger ones within our community. I think he has all the tools. He's a big, smart quarterback. He throws with a lot of anticipation. The problem with the two of these guys, they've had six different offensive coordinators in the last five years. This is going to be number six coming in with Turner. So... Really haven't seen the full potential of what McLaurin or Haskins, for that matter, has to offer. One thing I like about his potential this year is he's the number one receiver in that offense, no doubt. He's got a lot of speed. When you look at him last year, he put cornerbacks on their toes real early with that speed.
0: It gave him a chance to break off a lot of routes early. Yeah, he came out and shredded my Eagles in week one, which was a pretty tough pill to swallow. But uh, yeah, I, I like it, man.
3: Oh, yeah. Razul Douglas had nothing for him in that game. Oh, he had him on his toes from the beginning. 4 3 speed, 37 and a half inch vertical, 18 reps of the combine. He's a full grown man. You look up com, his number one comparison is Chris Godwin.
0: Oh. So
3: for me, he's a buy.
0: I dig it, man. Like I said, I, I love Terry McLaurin. Um, despite the awful quarterback play, half of his games went over fifteen PPR points last year. He top ten in deep targets deep receptions deep touchdowns and deep target rate so we know a large percentage of his targets are going to be deep and you know I think with his route running ability I think he can be much more than just a deep target and I love the Chris Godwin comparison because Chris Godwin is probably one of the most versatile receivers in the league and I think Terry McLeod can can blossom into something of that sort so I I love how you put that there and I love the comparison to Chris Godwin BZ, where are you sitting at on on Terry McLo? I think he, you know, he is beloved in the community. I don't know if I've heard anybody who's off of him. So where are you sitting?
1: So I, he is a humongous buy for me. He was last year going into this. So I actually already own him on a lot of my dynasty teams, which is really nice. So, you know, he had 919 yards and seven scores last year in 14 games. He did it on 93 targets. That's pretty impressive for a rookie Mm -hmm. coming into the league. Now, you got to assume this year he's probably going to see about 120 targets in that offense, maybe more. So he is a big-time buy. I mean, right now you're probably not going to be able to buy him as easy as you were last year. But, you know, I think he's still worth tossing out there because people that don't believe in Dwayne Haskins, you know, they're going to want to get off that train and try something different. And what was it? uh, Ron Rivera compared him to DJ Moore. Mm -hmm. so you know we heard that comp right there and that's going to get everybody's blood boiling and get things moving but i will absolutely buy him i might even overpay for him a little bit sometimes Mm -hmm. so you know what i mean like i want a piece yeah terry
0: mclaurin is definitely a buy high guy for me uh d brown where are you at with him do you think he's going to move into the top 20 or do you think that might be a little hefty just yet
2: you know i i think he's got the ability to finish top 20 this year I do have them just outside, actually, my top 24 dynasty rankings, once again, alluding to the influx of talent and these young guys that get inserted into our ranks almost immediately upon before they even ever touched the field, but I've never been a huge Dwayne Haskins guy. I do think Ron Rivera coming in there is a good thing for all players as far as the Redskins go, and Terry McLaurin is the best playmaker that they have he showed that last year his ability to you know create something from nothing and just just really excelled in a in a offense that we all thought we wanted absolutely no part of last year you know Terry McLaurin was the one bright spot that that the Redskins had and so I'm I do think that there's an opportunity to buy You know, unfortunately, he does have a good bit of buzz around him, and it's just the offense in general, you know, that I'm not necessarily quite ready to buy, which brings me hesitation, is the offense in general. And like I said, I think that they they can take a step forward, but I just don't really know what this Redskins offense is going to look like in 2020. And that's kind of the only thing that's really giving me pause as far as a full-fledged green light on Terry McLaurin.
0: Yeah, man, I think I think Dwayne Haskins does have some tools. And I think Ron Rivera can bring some some stability to this organization that has just been a shit show for the last, like, 15 years. So, uh, Matt, real quick, are you buying top 20 for Terry McLaurin? Absolutely. When you look oh, at like. the other people that are getting
3: drafted around him, like Stefan Diggs, Tyler... Boy, Devo,
0: Kimmy McLaurin. I'm looking for him and Hassan to take the next step together. All right. So talking about uh, talking about somebody's old lady, D-Brown, we're going to come to you. You are attached at the hip with this guy. He is your banner on Twitter. Uh, you are madly in love with this guy, and I will not tell your wife. We're talking about Calvin Ridley. <laughs> or maybe I will tell her. Does she know? Does she know that that's your side piece?
2: I think she knows. She's well nice. aware. She. When 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 she hears me whispering, Ridley, really? late at night, she she pretty much knows what's going on at this point. <laughs> wow,
0: well, that got weird really fast. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it, buddy. I've been a big Calvin Ridley guy since he came in the league. Um, I drafted him in one of my home league dinos. Since then, I just loved him because he returned real good value as a back end first guy coming out as a rookie in rookie drafts. You could get him towards the back end. And he's probably been, you know, he's probably been a half to three quarter breakout so far, but maybe not necessarily a full breakout. So what do you think? uh, What do you think about Calvin Ridley? And what what makes
2: this year different for him breaking out? D? I think mostly this year why I've been beating the drums so hard. Yeah, I'm a homer. I I, I admit it. You know, Damn. we all are. Trav, I see you over oh, there yeah, all the time. yeah, you
0: see me. I'm rocking my midnight green right now. You know that. But
2: I can't say enough things about Ridley. You know, I mean, this past year he was on, on pace to eclipse the 1,000 yards for the first time. Uh, you know, missed time. Ended up falling to wide receiver 24 on the year even after missing some games. But if you look at if you look over the top 10 touchdown scores over the last three seasons, on average, they total about 116 yards for every touchdown they score. For their careers, Jones is at 213 yards for every score. My man Ridley is at 99. Okay, so obviously there's, you know, touchdowns. They they fluctuate even more so, it seems, with the Falcons every other year. But they have one of the most pass heavy teams consistently led the league last year with 42.8 attempts per game now we're talking Sanu Hooper Freeman all out the door targets are up for grabs while Gurley and Hurst should see some nice volume as well Ridley is clearly the number two target behind Julio and Julio demands so much goddamn respect that teams have to respect no choice about it Julio's the best wide receiver this, this game's ever seen. Yeah, I said it. I'm doubling down. <laughs> I like <Yeah>. it. <laughs> All I'm going to say is if you haven't bought Ridley by now, the door is closing because mm-hmm. he is a top, top asset at the wide receiver position.
0: I love that D. You talk about the touchdowns there. Calvin Ridley's got 17 touchdowns in his first two seasons. He had 10 as a rookie. Everybody's like, no, he's not going to do that again. Let's not forget that he missed time last year. He still got seven touchdowns, and he was on pace to outdo his rookie season. So I, I'm with you there on Calvin Ridley. I think the difference this year, is much like you said, the, the Mohamed Sunu, the Austin Hooper, those guys are gone. That's 200-plus targets. Um, what I really like, and, and I know I talk about the red zone stuff a lot, but I really like to follow that and chase some of these touchdowns. They've got the most targets inside the 10 available. And check this out, fellas. Calvin Ridley inside the 10. He has five receptions on seven targets over the past two years. All five of those receptions, touchdowns. So he converts in the red zone. And we Ooh. know we know that that role is not guaranteed to go to Julio Jones, right? So I think Calvin Ridley can come in and he can command some of that. So I, I love that. Beasy, where are you sitting on on the Riddler, as I like to call him?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm actually a big buyer in the Ridley man. Like, I at first you, you always go through a little window where you want to go sell him because you're just like, oh, you know, he's you know not doing what he. And then you're like, buy him, buy him, sell him. This kid's the real deal. He's one of the best route runners in the league. He was on pace for 1,066 and eight touchdowns, which would have put him at wide receiver 14 and 19. So he is obviously you can get the volume. Matt Ryan is going to throw over five. 185 to 600 times easy in this Offense mm-hmm. this year and You know I just think he is a, a Massive buy he's one of the most underrated Wide receiver twos in the game That could break into a wide receiver one Easy
0: That's money that's money that's actually a really Nice little lead in there BZ because I set The thresholds for Calvin Ridley at Top 12 so Matt yeah. I'm going to kick to You I'm going to kick to you do you think Calvin Ridley Can break into that top 12 and if Not do you think he can come into the top 15
3: Top 12 is pretty high for him, Uh, top 15 maybe. Things I like about C-RID are the things that folks that aren't Falcon fans don't see as much, and it's the intangible. We're talking about super smart guy here. We're talking about a top-notch professional under the tutelage of another super smart, top-notch professional in Julio. So he knows how to do it and he's doing it right. He spends a lot of time with Matt Ryan. He's been out in California working out with him this year. He's only getting better. So top twenty easy for me. Top fifteen. I think
0: yeah I'm buying top 15 for Calvin Ridley 100% and uh, Julio I mean Julio is an easy top three and I actually think he's probably the wide receiver one this year so I think those two are going to be targeted heavily I don't think Hayden Hurst is going to get what we saw from Hooper and I think uh, Mohamed Sanu being out of there is just uh, just a huge positive for him so I love that and I think top 15 is is I I'm almost ready to say that it's a lock for Calvin Ridley All right, BZ, we're coming to you for the last guy in the pop-off potential segment. We're going to talk about Christian Kirk. He, uh, it seemed like last year was actually the spot for him to blow up, right? There's no, no alpha there. Somebody's looking to take over the role. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were new in that system, um, but now he's got Nuke Hopkins in town and uh, you know, we, we do expect a little bit of a higher play volume from the Cardinals in 2020, but do you think the Nuke addition is going to be good for Christian Kirk or do you think it's probably going to stunt that breakout bees?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, I think it's going to stunt it a little bit here. So, you know, last year he had 107 targets in 13 games, which isn't too bad. And he caught 68 balls for 709 and three touchdowns. So he did okay. I mean, he wasn't Mm -hmm. bad. He had nine games with at least 10 points. And, you know, right now going into the year before they signed Hopkins, they had 9.3 vacated targets per game Mm -hmm. open up for this year. Now you bring in Hopkins. He is going to eat all 9.3 of those up and probably another five to six targets. So the opportunity that Kirk has is definitely kind of dwindling a little bit. Now I get it. You know, you're looking at and you're saying, oh, well, where else is it going to go? Isabella, Butler, Drake, all these guys have talent. You know, Arizona didn't quite feel comfortable with Kirk as a one when they went out last year and drafted all those wide receivers. They still don't feel comfortable with him as the one because they went out and they traded for Hopkins. So realistically, he's kind of starting to fall a little bit. And this is really opportunity driven here. It's just, you know, at the end of the year, they seem to go towards a more of a run heavy scheme. And you started to kind of see his like, especially Kirk's numbers just dwindle and Drake's numbers went up. Now, if they decide to continue running that same exact scheme coming in the beginning of the year. Then I think you're going to see a much, uh, you know, I think he's going to finish a lot lower than people are putting him at right now. So for for me, if I have him, I'm probably holding mm-hmm. because I don't think you're going to get good value for him right now. Exactly. Um, and you know, just maybe ride out another year with him and see what happens when Fitzgerald maybe retires. Yeah. <laughs> the following year, because he's looking like the Frank Gore of wide receivers right now. So. But that's kind of where I'm at with him. I'm just not very comfortable right now, which sucks because I really liked him last year.
0: I like what you alluded to there, BZ, uh, with the run game because I think that's something that's uh, maybe lost on on um, your your typical fantasy gamer is that this offense is is going to run semi semi through the run game. I think it's predicated on efficiency because I don't think it's going to be a high volume rushing offense. But I think with all those wide receivers spreading out a defense, I think this run game is going to be really efficient and they're going to kind of run through Kenyon Drake. And I think we're going to see that play out this year. I think there's still going to be some good target volume for these guys. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I'm not sure that Chris Christian Kirk's necessarily going to get it because he's been pretty inconsistent so far in this career. He's actually, he's actually got five games in his career. So two seasons where he's had at least a hundred yards or a touchdown. And in those five games, they account for more than one-third of his career fantasy points. So I, I just I just think the inconsistency is a little bit hard for me to ignore for Christian Kirk. But, uh, Matt, where are you sitting on Christian Kirk? Do you think Nuke can be a good thing for him and open up the defense? Or do you think he's just kind of lost in, in the spread-out ancillary targets after Nuke?
3: I think he's the clear-cut number two there. No tight end to speak of. No other running back in the passing game other than Drake to speak of. It seems like a hundred targets are still easily within the realm for him. So if we're looking at what wide receiver, 30 possibilities, mm. I'm taking that. I'm still the kind of guy that's looking to go talent over situation. I'm a Christian Kirk fan. He reminds me a lot of Jarvis Landry. Mm. I can see him working in the middle of that field while Nuke is working the perimeter.
0: Yeah, I like that. I mean, that 100 targets, I'm with you. That's probably a lock. Um, and I think for, for where he's going in drafts, uh, you're not finding a bunch of guys that are going to be getting 100 targets. So the opportunity is definitely there. It's just uh, whether he's going to capitalize on them there. So uh, I think you said, Matt, top 30. So D-Brown, are you buying top 30 for Christian Kirk in 2020?
2: I am not. You know, I I do like Kirk, but we can't deny that Hopkins – Getting traded for a steal over to Arizona Arizona <laughs> doesn't put a major damper on his upside for twenty twenty, no doubt, as, as long as the Fitzman is still there. You know, I just don't know that Kirk's gonna see the volume to support that kind of finish. So I do think that Kirk is a sneaky dynasty buy right now just because of the, the shadow that's now casted over him with the DeAndre Hopkins. But I mean, I know we say this every year, but hopefully Fitz is out the door after this year, and we've seen that the passing volume is going to be there. Kirk could easily be a, a a very nice two on a team that's got great volume, also with a great young quarterback that you know is looking for somebody who he can blossom with
0: hmm For sure, I I fully agree that the the Cardinals are an offense that we want pieces of. Um, so I can definitely see the sneaky buy potential for Christian Kirk, uh, especially beyond 2020 when, like you said, good old Fitz is potentially sailing off into the sunset. So hey, BZ, real quick, you buying top 30 for Christian Kirk?
1: Oh God, I, you know what? I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna fade it. I'm gonna actually not. I'm gonna say he's gonna finish, you know, somewhere in that 36 to 40 range
0: this year right 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 yeah I mean there's there's a large range of outcomes for Christian Kirk uh, as far as fantasy finishes and as far as his perception within the community I think a lot of people are on him a lot of people are fading him and I think um, it can be interpreted a whole bunch of different ways so I like that boys I like that and uh, with that, guys, we're finished the pop-off potential segment of the episode. We covered some of those guys. Hopefully, we brought some um, some heat to the listeners. I, ho- I hope they liked our takes on those guys. Real quick, boys, I'm just going to take a minute for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get back into it, all right? Yep. We here at True North want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, Expand the Box Score. If you don't know what they do, well, first, you should... And then you need to go to their website and sign up because Expand the Box Score is the stats database for fantasy heads of all skill levels. Ty and I use the football bundle, which includes the NFL and college football package, but they got Major League Baseball, the NBA, and even Minor League Baseball. Yeah, we can't say enough good things about what Andy and the team are doing over there, so hit the website at expandtheboxscore.com and use our promo code TRUENORTH10 to get 10% off and tell them we sent you. Once again, this is a must-have subscription if you're a stat head like we are. And don't forget that promo code is TRUENORTH10. All right, and I am back with the Sons of Dynasty. As I mentioned at the top of the show, these guys are strapped. They got fantasy heat that they're bringing they're giving awesome takes on twitter and here on the pod so i appreciate them joining us and gentlemen we're gonna fly into the last segment of the episode we're gonna talk about a little bit of roster gold Uh, i'm gonna ask you guys to drop one of your favorite deep dynasty stashes only fitting with the sons of dynasty on the show that you give uh give us some some deep takes and uh so i'm gonna start with i'm gonna start with d brown Give me your, give me one of your favorite deep dynasty stashes for maybe the bottom end of your roster for guys that can contribute more than we might expect.
2: Yeah, typically a lot of the deep guys that I'm looking at tend to be running backs. Those seem to be the guys that can accrue a change of value rather quickly. Uh, So when I'm taking some dart throws at the end, you know, I want somebody that I can turn a profit on rather easily and. The guy that I'm honing in on right now, currently coming in at the RB ninety or two hundred and sixty ninth overall in Superflex formats, and that is Tampa Bay running back Dare Agambawale. Nice,
0: oh, nice. Wow. I, I affectionately refer to him as Dare Uchiwali. Well, um, that's, that's an ode to my man Nas there. Um, a big nickname, guy. So yeah, let us know why you're in on in on uh, Dare.
2: Uh, well, part of it just comes to, uh, you know, the uncertainty that is the running back position there in Tampa that seems to be like it's going to turn around to be a pretty potent offense once again in 2020. Well, it kind of comes down to the price tag. You know, none of those running backs really have a, a firm grasp on the job in 2020. You know, the the Vaughn rookie hype has gotten pretty large we were seeing him go towards the back end of the first round in most rookie drafts and you know i i'm i'm not a big vaughn supporter not a big ronald jones supporter i don't think that dare is the you know a, a great gem running back that's you know just buried i think it's just a guy that's going to get an opportunity and he's got the friendliest price tag of the three you know more more likely to work in as the passing down back and when when you've got tom brady under center I mean, that's that's the piece of the pie that I want. Ronald Jones started nine games last year, ranked outside the top 25 in carries, yards, and yards per rush. Vaughn, 2020 third-round pick. You know, I think we're going to see these two guys kind of compete for the first and second down duties, capping each other's upside. But there's the one that intrigues me the most due to his current price and his role with Tom Brady. You know, in 2019, he averaged only about 30 percent of snaps, but was able to get some work in and uh, received 46 targets as 35 receptions, 286 yards, no no touchdowns, but 76 percent catch rate. Didn't get much work as far as the rushing goes, but he actually ranked 11th in fantasy points per touch with 1.32 mm-hmm. So, you know, apparently this kid's got a little something. Once again, it's Tom Brady. I'm looking for the James White in Tampa Bay in 2020. And that's the cheapest option that they've got going.
3: Make it hot, make Ooh. it pop. Jewellia,
0: Yeah, I I like that, man. That target volume for him last year was really sneaky. Uh, He got some high leverage work in the red zone as well. Bruce Arians just kind of seems to trust the kid. Um, He was their third down back from the get-go last year. So I really like that because he is free 99 to buy right now. You can get him for nothing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's shown a little bit of something in that offense already. And, I mean, Tom Brady only boosts that running back target share, in my opinion. He's been, you know, heavily targeting running backs since most of us were super super young so uh, i really like that take as far as a deep dynasty stash um dare uchiwale uh, um, all right matt we're gonna go over to you uh, i want you to give me one of your favorite stashes in in deep dynasty rosters i know you're uh, you're heavy into dynasty you probably got a ton of leagues just like the rest of us so who's somebody that you're buying as a back-end roster piece that can pay off
3: well, like a lot of us, my dynasty focus these days is on superflex. So, if I'm looking real deep, quarterback, real deep, I see about 192 on Can'tCutList.com superflex rankings. Marcus Mariota. Woo! I like that. This is a guy a few years ago, obviously number two pick in the, in the draft, coming off a Heisman season where he threw. For 4,452 yards, 42 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. He ran for 770 and put 15 more in the end zone on the ground. This is, a, this is a guy that really has it all. Never really got a great chance in Tennessee. Changed offensive coordinators three times in the last three years. And after a few injuries, MCL sprained in 2015, broken angle. 2016 he was just never the same quarterback now he's landed at a spot with John Gruden someone who's been absolutely in love with him since the beginning I found this cool John Gruden quote on Mariota when he was coming out he said he runs a four five two forty, 40 incredibly elusive and man is he a playmaker and a great competitor I see him functioning in the pocket out of the pocket and if you want to run zone read he'll rip the defense apart and check this out he said he is like Russell Wilson, only six foot four. So I see that as his possible ceiling. Obviously, his floor is what it is. He could be a backup the whole rest of his career. Spot 192 in the Superflex draft, that's relatively, like you said, 399. Grabbing, sticking on your roster, sees what, see what happens. There's nothing sure there with Derek Carr, and they're adding a lot of interesting offensive pieces around there. It could be a totally different offense, and – 2020 or 2021 than
0: what we've seen in the past. Dude, that that's great because I I know for myself and I know because I play in a bunch of leagues with you guys that superflex is probably the predominant format that we play in. So I love that because when I'm building a superflex roster, uh, you know I usually I usually like to try and build with three solidified starters and then I'm stacking those backups that have high upside on my bench as potential trade targets or potential fill-in guys. And I think there's probably no better than Marcus Mariota because the The Raiders have shown that they they're kind of wanting to look elsewhere a little bit, and John Gruden, much like you said, handpicked Marcus Mariota to come in. I mean, the guy throws passes to himself for crying out loud. So uh, definitely a lot of talent there. He uh, he could look really good in that offense with uh, with those new weapons with Henry Ruggs. He's shown accuracy that athleticism is probably the main reason why Gruden was chasing him. Um, and I think he probably gets some meaningful starts at some point this year. So I really love that. And I love how you highlighted the fact that um, it's a super flex buy because a lot of us are playing super flex. And that's how you build your quarterback depth is you find these guys kind of like Tannehill last year, which is ironic because Tannehill replaced Marcus Mariota. Tannehill's a guy that i was buying because you read the tea leaves and see that there's a chance for this guy to have meaningful starts this year so really like the mariota pick and that's somebody that i'm buying as well all right bz hit me hit me my man
1: all right brother here we go i'm actually so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my first one i'm gonna i'm just gonna do a really small second one this is an exclusive to true north dude just for you guys
0: Ah, true north exclusive, exclusive exclusive exclusive
1: all right here comes the first one so again like d brown i like to target the running back you know in these positions just because again you know opportunity can be there a lot quicker than most other positions and you know most of these guys that come into the running back position they don't have as much to you know it's not as it's not as hard to learn in in a lot of ways so my guy this year is damian harris so drafted by the pats in the third round last year you know he had four attempts for 12 yards (laughs) <laughs> that was it. So, when you want to talk about some guy, you, you know, why am I saying this guy? It's pretty simple. Sony Michelle was pretty unef- ineffective last year. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's lost a step. Like when I saw, when I watched Sony's tape in college, he was electric. He was going sideline to sideline. The guy had good burst. I don't see it anymore. I think there's something more going on with him than what they were just saying. He just had a surgery recently on his foot, I believe. And they said it was just a precautionary thing. Mm -hmm. But as you know, Tom Brady's gone. This offense is now going to run even, you know, it's going to go through the run game even more than it did before. They got Rex Burkhead there. They got James White there. They got Brandon Bolden there. They got plenty of people. But Rex Burkhead's getting older. There is a chance they could just let him walk. Once Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick's done with somebody – it's not surprising to watch him cut Damian Harris. They took in the third round last year. He's a good potential three down back. He does have the ability in the receiving game. So his biggest thing is, is if he can get in there and form this one, two punch with, with, Sony, I think he's actually going to show more burst, more big playability, even though he might not be as fast to take on a bigger role. And he could potentially start taking the goal line work as well, which, you know, in new England is, is money so he's a guy that i'm buying late and i'm holding on to him wherever i have him because he's a guy that could potentially return rb2 numbers if he's given the opportunity and you know like i said the paths in the past what 10 years they've always had any something anywhere from an rb1 to an rb2 somewhere in that offense you just got to pick the right guy this could be him
0: i like that man i really i really like what you said about sony there i feel like Sony's just trying to serve this roll-up to somebody else on a silver platter the way he hasn't taken advantage of these opportunities. I mean, he's been top 10 in the carry, in carries last year. He definitely uh, didn't take advantage of that as well as he was top 10 in red zone carries last year and he certainly did not take it advantage of that. So like I said, I think Sony's just trying to serve this roll up for somebody else. uh, And I think Damian Harris is going to be that guy. I've actually bought into Sony a little bit this year just because I think they are going to lean on the run. And if he does continue to get those red zone touches, I think there's room for some positive regression there. But I am not leaving a draft with Sony without leaving that same draft with Damian Harris because I think it could be as easy as the back half of the season that Damian Harris starts to take over. And I think in 2021, man, that could be his job because James White is in a contract year and he's been fantastic. But like you said, Bill Belichick has no problem churning through these guys. Um, He even signed undrafted free agent JJ Taylor who profiles as a receiving back. So I think there's some some writings on the wall that they're going to start to try and move some new blood into that room. Uh, And I think Damian Harris is going to be the key piece in that so i love that deep stash so why don't you hit us with that true north exclusive 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 exclusive
1: all right this is this is a real deep one i think you guys probably saw me picking him up in leagues over the past few weeks it's because i've been trying to keep it under the the radar a little bit but his name is scotty phillips he was an an undrafted running back for the houston texans he played at old miss in 2 years he had 278 carries for 1470 and 17 rushing touchdowns he also caught 18 balls for 182 and 3 touchdowns so he is he's a kid that's coming into an opportunity where i think he could take the number 3 role pretty easily um you know i wouldn't expect him to go nuts unless there's a big injury but in this offense he you know they're going to spread it out And that's kind of the offense that he feeds well into. And I think if he has an opportunity to carve a role, he could make a little bit of noise on the fantasy scene. So he's a guy that I'm just stashing because, you know, David Johnson's, David Johnson, we don't know what we're going to get this year. He looked pretty beat up last year. Duke Johnson, who I love, we were just talking about him before the show, but they're obviously going to need a number two if uh, David Johnson goes down. So he's a deep, deep, deep guy that you can get for free right now, everywhere, except for any league you're in with me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I like that man you're uh you're going down to the ocean floor for that depth and I love it because uh, David Johnson is is an injury risk 100% and they showed by bringing in Carlos Hyde last year that they don't want to give Duke Johnson the predominant role especially as far as that carry volume so I really like that because it's almost like I can't even remember the guy's name that we were on last year he had uh he was with the Houston Texans um Karan Higdon Higdon. Higdon. everybody was kind of floating his name out there. somebody who had some opportunity and i can see scotty phillips being that type of guy this year with the potential to get some work if david johnson were to go down so i love that man that's super super deep and uh, i think you know you can pick him up up for zero dollars in fab right now so why not toss him on the on the bottom of your roster i dig that
1: Absolutely. And you can go
0: on a taxi squad. I mean, you can stash him on a yeah. taxi squad for the year and see what happens. And those are the guys that you have no problem dropping if they don't pan out. So I like that. I like those freebies that you can stash on the taxi squad where you can see some opportunities. So I love it. All right, boy, boys, I'm going to go real quick on mine. I'm going to just drop my my deep dynasty stash. And that is uh, we're going back to Tampa Bay, D. Brown. We're going to talk Tyler Johnson. This is This is one of my guys. I was super high on him coming out. Uh, I think I had him in my top seven of wide receivers before he started to fall in the eyes of NFL teams just because, uh, I don't know, I think he's a super versatile receiver, almost as like a light version of Chris Godwin, who he's now teammates with. Uh, you watch him in college, he's got wicked body control on the perimeter when he's going up for balls, uh, and he's predominantly a slot player as well, so I think in that Bruce Arians offense, it's going to be pass heavy. I don't know that Tyler Johnson's going to get a bunch of work, but if you look at their depth chart behind uh, behind Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, we're looking at uh, Justin Watson, um, Scotty Mitchell I think is there as well, and Tyler Johnson, to me, is the most talented out of that bunch, so I think he could be their third wide receiver option as early as this year. I think he's probably going to have to play a little bit more on the outside with Chris Godwin there, because he is ridiculous out of the slot, but Tyler Johnson's my guy as you know another taxi squad stash too, right? Because you can wait, and, and we could see him pan out next year into something like what we saw from adam humphreys uh the year before last as the third option in the tampa offense so i'm big on tyler johnson and i love putting him at the bottom of my rosters and you can get him for a third in rookie drafts and i think that's just straight cash homie
1: not mad at that one
0: dude right on boys well that that's a wrap on uh, on all of our topics today i gotta say i really appreciate you guys rolling up you guys came all the way from charming you guys had the the Sam Crow cuts <laughs> on. You guys came strapped, like I said. I really, really appreciate that, boys. It was uh, it was a long time coming for us to get together, but uh, it, it was a blast, boys. And I think we're going to be doing this again real soon because, you know, like I said, you guys are staunch supporters of True North, and we really appreciate that. And in turn, we are big supporters of the Sons of Dynasty. So we appreciate you guys coming on. So we're going to do another roundtable just to, to let people know where they can find you guys and what you guys are doing. So why don't we start with you, Matt? Where can they find you? brother you can
3: find me at dynasty sons and at
0: dy underscore nasty dude dynasty dude on twitter i love that i love your handle I. i in my head i call it Dynasty
1: dude and i just love that i love it <laughs> uh, um bz where you at brother you can find me at the BZBFF on twitter You can also, like I said, find me over at Sons of Dynasty and at The Undroppables. And please just give a uh, quick shout out to The Undroppables. We got a new pod that just hit. It's called Unscripted. So if you get a chance, go listen to the first episode. Episode two will be coming soon. Yeah, giddy up. And that's
0: with yourself with The Incomparable. Polly Sleepers. You can find him at Polly Sleepers and Terminator. That's Randall Kennedy. He's he's one of our faves as well at FF underscore Terminator. We love those boys. That first episode was awesome awesome uh, and we're looking forward to it in the future um you know i feel like true north is kind of kind of tied to the undroppables just with the personal Absolutely. connections that we've made i consider you guys all close friends um and i think that uh, that feeling is mutual as well so we're big supporters of the undroppables and anybody who's following our stuff needs to be going and following that stuff as well uh d brown finish us off where are you at my
2: man you can find me at d brown f f <laughs> all day every day Look for any and all content coming from the Undroppables. You can find everything at cantcutlist.com. Big things coming out of there. You know, we're, like BZ mentioned, the podcast is just dropping. Working on a dynasty trade calculator. Got a a couple of cool other tools that uh, we're looking to launch here. Uh, 2020 is going to be big for the guys over at the Undroppables. So stay tuned on that. Uh, on a Dynasty, uh, our Sons of Dynasty note, we are uh, currently getting some apparel in the works. Yes. Going to do a giveaway. So uh, stay stay tuned, stay with us, and uh, maybe you could get your hands on some uh, free Sons of Dynasty gear. And a uh, big shout out to Scott Fish right now. You know, uh, Fishbowl yes. right around the corner. I can't uh, say how excited I am to be a part of it this year. And just so, uh, you know... It it really paints a great picture of what the fantasy football community is capable of. And uh, so big shout out to him. Make sure if you're not following Scott Dish and Fantasy Cares, you go check them out. What they do every year is phenomenal. And I'm so stoked to be a part of it this year. Yeah, 100%, man.
1: man
0: yeah this is my first year in the fishbowl uh it was an honor to get that email i think uh, everybody sees that email and it's like christmas day in the middle of june right so uh i love it and i'm super excited i love what you said because scott fish is probably one of the nicest guys i've had the chance to connect with him a little bit throughout the process and man that guy is just like continuously nice i don't think there's a mean bone in that guy's body um and on that fantasy cares note uh, last year those guys raised forty four thousand dollars to go and buy toys for kids who needed them uh, and that's the theme for the fishbowl this year is toys and uh, i think we're going to exceed that number this year i really really love what they're doing so keep an eye out on that and keep an eye out for the sfb Potathon because that's a big event every year yep. crazy crazy lists of people going on there uh, i'm going to be tuning in hopefully for the whole thing if uh, the family permits uh, but that's that's always a blast every year so definitely check out the Potathon. So, yeah, with that, um, again, want to thank the Sons of Dynasty for joining. I am Travis Seal. You can find me at tseal14. My co-host, who wasn't able to join us today, can be found at TNFF Tyrell. He's always putting out killer content so make sure you give him a follow and all the boys and check out our work at truenorthffb.com we got articles we got rankings we're laying some groundwork for some video content and we're pretty fired up about the future for true North so thanks again for listening we really appreciate everybody who comes back and uh, and enjoys our content feel free to reach out to us on Twitter we will talk to you next week peace!